This is Nina Serrano, and I have in the studio Pablo Armando Fernandez, direct from Havana, Cuba. Pablo is one of the most respected and well-known Cuban poets, both at home and in the world. He's won many prizes, published many books, essays, and plays. Bienvenidos, Pablo. Thank you. I'm very happy here. I'm so glad, and so glad that you've brought your poetry to share with us. Can you tell us a little bit about how did you become a poet? How did you start writing? Well, I started writing as a child. I was then probably 10 or 12 years old. I heard the first chapter of a soap opera based on Wuthering Heights, and Emily Bronte stole my soul and my mind, but I read it before it ended, and something happened to me. I heard a voice. Probably was not something that really I imagined. Probably I heard a conversation about the novel, but I heard somebody telling me, why do you pay so much attention to that decadent bourgeoisie. And don't think of us, look at us. We are here, lonesome, abandoned, suffering. We lack a voice, we lack a face. Please, think of us. And I started writing something called gestures. was a way of getting closer to that human being. I wrote them in English. In 1945, I was 15 years old. Two weeks later, I became 16th in New York. And I kept the school because as I was a writer, I wanted to be a writer in English. It was not me. It was that voice who always told me what to write. And I met Carson McKellers. And Carson was very generous to me. And when I told her that I was a writer, she told me, I would like to read those gestures, you call them. And Carson said that was poetry. I talked with her a lot about poetry. My eldest brother was a poet, and I've heard him and his friends reading poetry in my childhood, and I have read poetry also. But I was not a poet. When I left, Carson did something very fabulous. Took a pencil and divided the lines I had written and read them to me. And I said, well, that's your poetry, not mine. When I left her, I was crying. And a friend of mine that was waiting for me said, what's wrong with you? I said, well, you know, she said, I'm a poet. She said, of course, you're a poet. What do you think you are? Manila Harman have told you all the time, and me, that... You are a poet. You don't trust us. I hope you trust her. She's a great writer, as you know. And I wrote a poem. And I wrote that poem in Spanish, not in English. And that changed my whole life completely. But as I was a writer, I kept thinking that I have to write prose. And I wrote, I have published three novels, a book of short stories, a book of essay. The play that I wrote and was produced in New York in 1958 is a poem, a dramatic poem. But I now I accept that I am a poet. 
as does the whole world, except that you are an amazing poet. You were born in Delicias, a, a sugar mill town, in what year? 1929. What was that like? Well, Delicias was like a small southern town. Some of the homes there, I saw them in Kentucky, Tennessee, Illinois. They have a school. They taught us English in the morning and Spanish in the afternoon. That's why I could have listened to that voice that talked to me in English. It was a nice place with all the problems of places. It was divided by sections. And one neighborhood where Americans lived when it was found, that sugar mill town, was for the so-called whites. Another neighborhood, they accepted what they used to call colored people then. But there were people who came from the other islands, from the West Indies, and they were not accepted by these colored people. There were four clubs, one for the Americans, one for the so-called whites, and the others, colored people. And the people that came from the other islands were very, I love them, very intelligent. And they didn't get hurt at all. They decided they have to have their own place to be together, to listen to music and so on. And they built a small place, and they called West Indies Progressive Association. And I said, that is my people, the progressive ones. I came to New York, and I found that there was a place for colored people called Harlem. The Chinese in Cuba, there were, in my hometown, there were also Chinese, also aside, a place called Chinatown. Little Italy was a village. The Jewish were living in the west side, Riverside Drive, Western Avenue. There were the Germans were in the east side. And the Latin Americans in those days, in 1945, when I got here, we were, the Latin American population was Cuban. The Puerto Rican came later on, came in 1947 on. Dominicans, there were very few. Now, there are probably a million now, but there were very few. Argentinians, Colombians, few families also. But we were oh, a few thousands of Cubans. And then in 1959, when the Cuban Revolution triumphed, you returned to Cuba. Yes, I did. What have some of the changes of the revolution made in your life and in the life of your family? Well, darling, I believe that changes have to be natural as life. One is more as a baby. One grows, and we are called a child. And then we grow more, and we are adolescents. And one day, we call ourselves young adults, and we keep going on, and we turn to be mature, third generation, or how you call them, third, what is it called, third generation. I'm fourth generation. I'm 80 years old, so I'm ancient. And that has to be shouldn't be imposed. They have to respond to love, to human beings, to humanity. Marti, Jose Marti, our prophet, apostle, taught us that native land is humanity. So I accepted those changes, knowing that there is envy, jealousy, competition, resentment, and a false way of acting, thinking and feeling. And one has to go through that also because you cannot avoid that other people would feel that against you and that happens to every human being on earth it doesn't matter because people are divided by races economy politics 
religion and everything else. We separate ourselves constantly. As, as I knew that when things went wrong against me, I didn't have to suffer. I learned that doubt and fear are sufferings that afflict adults, not children. And that, that I learned also. I said, well, remain strong, faithful to yourself, to your feelings. And the revolution gave me myself. I was back where I was born. And there was the landscape, the history and culture waiting for my return. And from then, I have written all these novels, short stories, poetry, and so on. Thank you so much, Pablo Armando Fernandez, international poet from Havana, Cuba. Lo que sé, yo que he hablado en lenguas, conozco la piedad que mora en las palabras, llovizna, asilo, hospital, penumbra. Conozco la aflicción que estas palabras ponen en el ánimo, el fervor de conocer al triste. Yo que lo sé, que he sido pobre, extranjero, sombrío, Sé también que hay que humillarse más allá del ruego, hacia la sangre hasta dejarla limpia, hasta sentir su transparencia cuajada en la mirada, hasta poder mirarle el rostro a la inocencia. What I know. I, who have spoken in tongues, know the piety that lies in words. Drizzle. Refuge, hospital, penumbra. I know the affliction these words cast upon the spirit, the fervor of meeting the sad. I who know this, who have been poor, foreign, somber, I also know that one has to humble oneself beyond mere pleading towards blood until it is cleansed, until its transparency is felt, congealed in a look until innocence can be looked in the face. Tanca de identidad. He visto al mundo y de él guardo una imagen, confusa multitud siempre en acecho. Conocer cierta gente me ha hecho sospechar que ser distinto es otra adecuación. El complicado mundo simplificó mi vida. La gente simple complicó mi mundo. Tanka of Identity I have seen the world and I have kept an image of it a confused multitude always watching. Knowing certain people has made me suspect that being different is yet another adaptation. The complicated world simplified my life. Simple people complicated my world.
Este poema, La suite para Maruja, lo escribí entre 1966 y 1978. El primero, un día de su cumpleaños, el 3 de noviembre. Los otros se fueron escribiendo hasta el punto de reunirlos y son siete poemas. Voy a leer el segundo y el séptimo. Cuando anochece, espero confiarte de una vez todo el espanto que hay de día en mi pecho. No es obsesivo gusto por la vida plena del Dios sin tiempo, ni es el miedo a perder el poder y la magia del poeta, miedo a la muerte y al olvido. Lo que me pone el corazón pequeño cuando anochece y estoy contigo a solas es oírme las dóciles palabras que te ocultan que miento cuando te digo, aún no tengo miedo. En voz baja decir, amor, tu nombre, junto a ti, a tus oídos, a tu boca, y ser ese animal feliz que junta sus mitades, en voz baja o sin ella, Muda la boca revertida a su unidad, silencio inaugural que a verbo y carne otorga nueva vida, los ojos ciegos de regreso al todo, luz revelando mundos como fueron o son, como serán, vueltos a ser alegría del otro, uno consigo mismo en compañía, una vida a otra, la tuya, tan amada. Volver a ser origen sin tristeza o dolor, sin miedo, sin nostalgia, o con ellos, tú y yo, nuestros recuerdos y cenizas. I wrote this poem for my wife, Maruja. The first poem was written the 3rd of November, of 1966, that was her birthday date. And then I kept writing poems for, to her. And the end of this poem was written in 1978. I'm going to read two short poems, second and seventh. From Sweet to Maruja, number two. When night falls, I want to entrust to you at last all the horror that I bear by day in my breast. There is no obsessive desire for the full life of the timeless God. Neither is it fear of losing the power of magic of the poet, fear of death and oblivion. What makes my heart shrink when night falls and I am with you alone is hearing my own docile words which conceal from you the fact that I am lying when I say, I am still not afraid. Number seven. Quietly, my love, to speak your name next to you, to your ear, to your mouth, and be that happy animal which joins its halves. Quietly or silently, the voiceless mouth restored to its unity. Inaugural silence, 
which grants new life to the word and the flesh. The eyes, blind, returning to the whole, light revealing worlds as they were or are, as they shall be. Back to being each other's joy by oneself in company, and other life, yours, so beloved, back to being origin without sadness or pain, without fear nor nostalgia, or with them, you and I, our memories and ashes. Parábola Mi madre quiere que yo sea feliz Quiere que sea joven y alegre Un hombre que no teme el paso de los años Ni tema la ternura ni el candor Del niño que debiera ser cuando voy de su mano Y la oigo repetirme Para que no lo olvide Estas y otras nociones Mi madre no quisiera avergonzarse de mí mi madre quiere que no mienta, quiere que sea libre y sencillo. No quisiera verme sufrir, porque el miedo y la duda son males que padecen los adultos y ella quiere que yo sea su niño. Cualquiera que nos viese, no la comprendería. En edad coincidimos, no quiere que lo diga. Aunque ella me dio vida cuando tenía los años que tengo hoy. Podríamos ser hermanos, ella un poco mayor. Podríamos ser amigos. Su memoria y la mía corresponden a un tiempo en que ambos fuimos jóvenes. Yo era menor, pero recuerdo verla cantar feliz entre sus hijos, compartir nuestra infancia. Mi madre quiere verme luchar a toda hora contra el dolor y el miedo. Sufriría si supiera que a mi edad, la de ella entonces, cuando me dio a la vida, yo... Soy su viejo padre y ella, mi dulce niña. Parable My mother wants me to be happy, wants me to be young and joyful, a man who doesn't fear the passing of the years nor fear the tenderness or candor of the child that I should be when I go from her hand. I hear her repeating to me so that it's not forgotten these and other notions. My mother doesn't want to be ashamed of me. My mother wants me not to lie, wants me to be free and simple. She wouldn't want to see me suffer because fear and doubt are evils borne by adults, and she wants me to be her child. Whoever sees us doesn't understand her because she doesn't want it said we coincide in age although she gave life to me when she was as old as I am today. We could have been sister and brother, she a little older. We could have been friends. Her memory and mine correspond to a time when we were both young. I was younger, but I remember seeing her sing happily among her children, sharing our childhood. My mother wants to see me fight at all times against pain and fear. She would suffer if she knew that at my age, hers when she gave me life, I am her old father and she 
my sweet child. <laughs>